how to not let others define success for you and how to define it for yourself, how to lean into things rather than dive head first, how to stop letting comparison be the thief of your joy, how she's able to be so vulnerable with others and so much more coming right up. This is episode number two, zero, one, with my first ever boss in the fitness industry and the ultimate badass, Tanya Yelton. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I'm here because you wanna become the best version of yourself, but there are so many things that you need to do to get there. And because it's overwhelmingly complicated, it's easy to lose focus, easy to lose a sense of direction, and that's why so many people end up falling short of their true potential. That's why I create videos, podcasts, and fitness programs to keep you on track to your best you. Go to nickcarrier.com to learn more. Today, I bring you Orange Theory head coach, personal trainer, and health and wellness coach, Tanya Yelton. This interview is extra special for me because I started working with Tanya four and a half years ago, and we built an amazing friendship, and she's been an amazing mentor and friend of mine ever since. In this episode, you'll get to hear about how you need to take the time to define success for yourself and not let other people should on you. You'll learn how to take responsibility and not let comparison be the thief of your joy and so much more. As you're listening, especially if you've taken one of mine or of Tanya's classes, be sure to tag me at carrier underscore best you and tag Tanya at TanyaFi, which is T-A-N-I-A-F-Y on Instagram to let us know that you're listening. Monday mornings can be the bane of your existence. It can seem impossible to get motivated on a Monday morning, but not if you receive my Monday Motivation Trio 111 newsletter. Every Monday, I send out one motivational quote one inspiring video, and one workout to get your week started with a bang. Just go to nickcarrier.com slash 111-newsletter to get this in your inbox every Monday morning. Again, it's nickcarrier.com slash 111-newsletter. Without further ado, here's to getting closer to your best you with the one and only Tanya Yelton. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I don't know if I've ever been more excited about an interview over the past 200 episodes that I've done. So I'm with the one and only Tanya Yelton. Tanya, thanks so much for spending the time with me today. I'm so glad to be here, Nick. I'm super excited. Yeah, no doubt. So about two years ago, it was a little uh, a little under two years ago now, I came to your house and we tried to do it the first time. And that was when I knew, knew I wanted to start a podcast. And I was like, I definitely want to interview Tanya as the first guest. And we did it with a camera, but no microphones. And then as I learned about starting a podcast, I was like, okay, the audio quality has got to be a little bit better than that. So two years later, we're running it back and redoing it. So I'm pumped to have you on. And so Tanya, everybody, was my first ever boss in the fitness industry. I worked for her uh, at Orange Theory when I was down at the University of Georgia in Athens. And so she was a huge mentor of mine starting off. Uh, She's also a personal trainer and health and wellness coach. And She's worked in the fitness industry for 20 plus years and runs the best Zumba class there uh, there ever was. So I've had some great times at those Zumba classes. So, but the way I really want to start today, Tanya, is kind of give everyone some background and a little bit more context on you. So basically just brief everybody a few minutes on how and why you got into fitness and just kind of a little bit about your story, I guess. Okay. Um, well, So in high school, I walked into a gym one day and there was this class going, it was called a step aerobics class. It was way before you were probably born, Nick, because I'm a hundred years old. Um, It was a step Reebok class. And I remember being like, man, look at this group of like 15 to 20 ladies hanging out, having a good time. And I really kind of felt this energy in the room. And so I kept taking class, taking class. Fast forward, I moved to Athens, Georgia, was married, had two children, and hadn't worked for several years. I had taken some classes and that kind of stuff, but not ever really been an instructor. And so I just all of a sudden was like, this is what I'm designed to do. This is what I'm supposed to do. And I went and my first certification was my Zumba certification because it is what I love to do so, so much. And I started teaching classes in the basement of the YMCA, just no windows, just me and like 40 ladies hanging out down there, having a great time. And the thing that I loved about group fitness was that 
it didn't matter where you are in your journey. I had elite athletes. I had women who had just had babies. I had women who had been terrified their whole lives to work out, but because they were welcomed with this space of like, you're here, I'm here, let's do this. It was just this really comfortable space. So that Zumba class turned into one-on-one personal training, turned into spin instructing. Conventional jobs have never been for me. A nine to five is not how I could ever see my life working. So I was like, okay, I got to make a living. I had found myself divorced at this point. And I was like, okay, I was a stay-at-home mom. Now I've got to, you know, create an income for my family. And it worked seamlessly going from just being an instructor of once or twice a week to coaching up to 25 to 30 classes a week of Zumba spin, you name it, I taught it. Mm -hmm. And through years and years of just teaching classes, I was recruited through Orange Theory. And when Orange Theory reached out to me, I was like, what is this? I can take classes, but not physically have to use my body. And I was like, well, this is new. This is interesting. And as I started to move into my forties, I was like, okay, this is probably the way that I need to be going still in that fitness industry, still working out, still doing that, but not actually, you know, the hardcore jumping and pressing on my body over and over for hours on end. Cause I'm, my body won't last through that. So transition to orange theory, still doing one-on-one training. Um, but I've been at orange theory for four years and absolutely love the program. In the past two years, I will say that my career has started to move a little bit more towards the health and wellness side because over quarantine, I started taking facilitating courses. So teaching how to not only work through like the physical body as far as working out, but finding that balance of what's enough for me as a mom of three kids, I want to make sure that I'm I have a good balance. And so for me, as I move through my forties, there's always going to be somebody younger. There's always going to be somebody prettier and fitter than me. So I feel it just is a really great transition to continue into this fitness, you know, system, but maybe focusing a little bit more on the health and wellness aspect. So that's where you find me today. I'm teaching 21 classes a week as the head coach of uh, Orange Theory Fitness Athens And I've got a handful of one-on-one clients. And then I have a few facilitating clients that we meet online and kind of talk about, they have their own fitness programs, but figuring out what does it look like to be a mom in the fitness industry, have a job and kind of do that. So we work together on that. Awesome. There's a lot there and I I love it. And I'm really excited to get into the stuff that you've been doing more with health and wellness and balance and kind of like mindset, because I know that's a big aspect of it for you as well. But I kind of want to back up a little bit and talk about a little bit more with kind of just fitness and, and consistency, because I think that, as you know, and you've seen over years and years and years, there are some people who are consistent with exercise and, um, there's certain levels that you go through. Everyone goes through that with themselves, right? There are certain times where you're really consistent and there's certain times where you back off and you're not as good. So what do you think is the difference between somebody who is able to stay consistent with an exercise regimen or routine versus somebody who maybe isn't? Mm. So for me, the word that the words that keep coming to mind when you say this is lean in. Because for me, what happens is typically... When somebody starts a fitness program, they go all out. They're going for it. Mm. Five, six, seven days a week. And I don't know many people that can keep that up. So for me, what I've noticed for myself and for some of my, I mean, I have clients that I've I've trained one-on-one for 12 years now. It's consistency in listening to your body. The, everybody's fitness program is going to change. It's seasonal. Right now, it's the hottest time of our year. My running clients, they're dying and they're beating themselves up. And so to me, it's like, okay, what if we're not running four days a week? What if we're walking one day a week? So it's being willing to lean into the changing factors of fitness. Also, I think with the addition of boutique fitness, that has really helped because back in the day, it was you had to do all or nothing. It was just weightlifting or it was just this. So now with the addition of like class pass and those sorts of things and making fitness a little bit more available 
in different aspects. To me, that is really what I've seen has been different because in my life, when I was the healthiest, I'm not going to say I was the thinnest. I'm not going to say I was the fittest. When I was the healthiest, I was doing Orange Theory Fitness two days a week. I was running outside two days a week. I was at, you know, my local Shakti Yoga two days a week, like, and one day of nothing. I was leaning into what my body needed versus having that calendar of Monday, six miles, Tuesday. It just, I, I honestly, Nick, I don't know who can keep that up for long periods of time without A, burning out or B, getting a serious injury. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's definitely key. It's, it's kind of the balance of leaning into what works for like you both mentally and physically, because you said like you're either going to burn out kind of mentally or you're going to hurt yourself physically. And so you kind of have to do the, the balance of different things and find what you actually enjoy again, both mentally and physically, which as you know, is one of, one of the kind of main reasons why I did that whole thing last year, 52 gyms in 52 weeks to show people that there's all these different things out there. Try them out, see what is good, both for your mind and for your body. So I think that is uh, definitely key. Well, and I think something that goes along with that, Nick, is that people just assume when they start a fitness program that that's it. It's going to fit for them. And I mm. think being willing to say, you know what, this isn't serving me right now. How can I honor my body and listen? Maybe while I love to run right now in this season of my life, maybe my work is busier. Maybe my kids' school schedule or sports schedule is busier. This doesn't work for me. So I think being willing to say, all right, life, this is where I'm at right now. I can get back to it. We, we currently in our lives take a all or nothing approach to everything. You know, even with our jobs, we have to work the most amount of hours. We have to do this most. And that is where I'm seeing people fall off. And that is what makes me the saddest. So when I do my health and wellness coaching for people, I'm like, all right, here's what your schedule could look like this week. But guess what? On Tuesday, if you wake up and your friend is having a bad day and she needs to see you for lunch and have lunch and maybe a glass of rosé at lunch and laugh, guess what? It's absolutely okay. And it's doable to shift our lives around fitness versus, you know, it, it, we just get caught up in this all or nothing thing. And that is where I see the consistency of people drop off. Yeah, no, I like that. And you kind of touched on it a little bit. And when you were, when you started off and in there, and it's something that I wanted to get to, but I like to use the phrase of redefining success. So for example, like you talked to me about beforehand, how you just had this injury and like you were running a lot, but now you had this injury. So now you have to kind of like redefine what success looks like in terms of your fitness world. And everybody in the entire world is going through having to redefine success. They had certain goals that they were attacking. They had certain routines that they were used to prior to COVID and quarantine. And then when this happened, everybody is like, holy crap, what do I do now? And so people have to kind of redefine what success looks like for them in this season of their life. So with that being said, it's a, it's a lot easier said than done to actually like accept the fact that I need to redefine success. So kind of through your really most recent experiences with both injury and quarantine, how do you be okay and accepting of redefining success for yourself at a different season of your life? So Nick, this has been huge for me. So rewind to December of last year, I decided that I was going to do a running streak. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. One mile a day is all I need. That's it. Well, like everybody that I know who goes all or nothing, that one mile became not enough. So if I did one mile, why wasn't I doing two? If I was doing two, why wasn't I doing five? And it became never enough until I found myself running 40 plus miles a week, teaching 21 classes, parenting two children. And I think the breaking point for me, Nick, when I recognized that something was wrong is it was a Wednesday night, it was pouring down rain and I was running one mile sprints around Stegman Coliseum. And at that point, I had to really stop and be like, what are you doing? 
take a deep, long look at your life. And, and maybe yours isn't as drastic. Maybe whoever's listening isn't as drastic. They're not out pour, in the pouring down rain running. Maybe it was you're driving and you're like, oh, I got, I got to get to the gym. I have to do this. And it, you're like, what? For what? Well, unfortunately for me, that wake up call wasn't enough. And I kept going and I kept going and I kept pressing until I got a grade four stress fracture in the neck of my femur. And that came from overrunning and undereating. And the reason for me, and this is, you know me, I am vulnerable times a hundred. This is how I live my life and this is how I've made my career. So for me, what happened is an old eating disorder had reared its head. Mm-hmm. So what happened to me is as I continued to run, the compliments started to come in. Man, Tanya, you look great. Man, what are you doing? When I thought, well, if that looks feels good, this will feel even better. So when my stress fracture happened, it is because I was undernourishing my body and overworking it. And I had no choice but to sit down. The, my body took every ounce of control away from me. And I didn't have a choice because real talk, Nick, between you and I, I would have never, I would have never stopped. I would have kept going and kept going and found an excuse because I was using that running streak as an excuse. Look at me looking on Instagram, how happy this is. But what was happening is my internal life was crumbling. My eating disorder was back. My personal life was in the toilet. It just started to crumble. And the only thing I could control was how many miles I put under my feet. So for me, when my neck and my femur snapped, I had two choices. I could sit down and I could get off of it for 12 weeks, or I could keep going and have to have a hip replacement. And I said, okie doke. So in a flash, Nick, everything was taken away from me fitness wise. Well, then fast forward two weeks. COVID. So within a matter of less than four weeks, I lost my ability to create an income for my family and my studio was closed and I had nothing. What I thought was nothing in what I defined as success, Nick, was how many likes on Instagram did I get? How many people told me I was thin that week? How many miles did I log? That was what I was defining as success. And within less than a month, it was completely gone. Mm -hmm. So I had to do some real heavy soul searching. And at one point I was on my hands and knees crawling around my house because I couldn't walk. And I'll never forget. I I was crawling past this mirror in my bedroom and I looked at myself and I was like, is this, is this what you're expecting? Is this what you were hoping for? And the answer is no. And so I had to redefine my success. I had to look at what are the things that I have and what I have and what has always been successful for me is my honesty. And Mm -hmm. so for me being not, so my 12 weeks turned into 16, turned into 18 because my bone wasn't healing because I was still not nourishing it the way it should have been. Because in my head, I was no exercise, no food. So it just kept going. So I had a lot of therapy, a lot of work to figure it out. And I can say that I'm now the healthiest that I've been. And it came from redefining what good looked like. To me, good was getting on Strava and logging all these miles. To me, good was posting an Instagram of how fast I was. And my 42-year-old brain thought everyone's no one's gonna like you anymore you have nothing and so to me Nick I will I will be honest and say that I am absolutely in the healthiest place that I think that I have been in the past five years and that came from being furloughed from a job and being severely injured and not to say that it was easy there was lots of tears there was lots of journaling there was lots of crying And I'm back to running now and I'm having to run for the right reasons. Yeah. And I'm having to, like, I took an orange theory fitness class yesterday and I biked. I'm cleared to run, but is it safe? 
And this is where we have to come through with COVID and quarantine and gyms being closed and lives changing. Is this the safest thing for me right now? Yeah. So to me, you know, like looking at myself now and the crazy thing, Nick, that people really need to learn from me and my injury, my body didn't change at all. I didn't gain weight. My clothes didn't change. Nothing. Why was I killing myself? What was I doing for the success of the Instagram? For the success of what I thought people wanted to see? No, it, it, it just, it had to all be taken away. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to go, I want to go back to that. First off, that story is awesome. And I, I had no idea that's where you were going in terms of it was a Wednesday. It was a rainy, it was a rainy night. It was pouring and I was running sprints around Stegman Coliseum. I did not know that's where you were going. That was hysterical. Um, but kind of to, kind of to go back to that, I think that something that came in my head towards the end was, you know, there's probably a lot of people right now who are in a similar spot, not on a track running when it's pouring, but in a similar spot in the sense that the way that they're defining success right now isn't necessarily how they should be. And so how can people get to the point where they can maybe become self-aware of that and pivot how they're currently defining success if it's going to be harmful for them? So the one thing that I do for myself specifically is when I started to get better, when I was able to walk, I started honestly journaling at the end of the day. And for me, once I do the things that I need to get done, whether it's work, whether it's fitness, whether it's, you know, time with friends, I I give a little check-in at the end of the day. How did my day feel? How did it end up? Did I feel overwhelmed? Well, then probably that was too much. Did I feel like I could have given more? Well, then I probably could have gone a little bit more, whether it's walking, running, whatever. But honestly, Nick, I think what it is, I think people are shooting all over themselves right now. Mm -hmm. I should do this. I should be at the gym. I should be, you know, maxing my PR. I should, you know, lifting the heaviest I can or whatever it is for them. So the second I stopped shooting on myself, I really understood what she needed. And that to me is where people were learned the most, because if you're in a fitness program, just because you've always been in it, is that why you should be there? If you're a runner, because you've always just been a runner, but the second you lace up your shoes, you hate it. Is that where you're supposed to be? And there's a difference between getting into a fitness program. Like, let's say you go for a run and half a mile in, you're like, man, I hate this. But then a quarter, three quarters of a mile, you're like, all right, here I am. That's right. different. That nobody really wants to go just kill it. If you do, good for you. But from what I've learned of my clients, there is a difference between just being tired and working and having life, but actually hating something. Yeah. And for me, I think that we as a community of fitness have gotten so caught up in this is supposed to be terrible. This is awful, terrible, the worst that we create that narrative in our head. So for me, if I start a run and I'm like, man, this is not for me. Guess what? It now turns into a walk and I'm moving my body the way that it's asking me to. And so I think it's learning to listen to yourself. You know, remember, remember when back in the day, people used to say no pain, no gain. Yeah. Well, so let me tell you what pain will get you. And that's a stress fracture in the neck of your femur. So like there's been a lot of narratives that have been forced upon us in this fitness industry for years. No doubt. It's just learning how to reevaluate how your body feels no matter what you're doing. And Nick, that goes along with like, my friendships. And that goes along with my relationships that I'm investing my time in. At the end of the day, if it's not leaving me feeling pretty good, is it what still needs to be happening for me? Yeah, no, I I love all that. And there's a couple of things that I want to extract from there. The first one is how you said that people should on themselves all the time. And I think that that's one of the biggest issues with just all of us, because I think that we're chasing down other people's version of success 
rather than our own because we see what other people are doing and we think, oh, we should be doing that. We should be doing this rather than actually taking the time within ourselves to be like, okay, what is actually makes the most sense for me? So that was the first thing I wanted to bring up. Second thing is I think the journaling thing is huge in terms of self-awareness. Now, I've actually journaled like all three mornings this week, so that was a good pat on my back, but I'm not usually that good at journaling. But I do feel like when I do, like something will come out and I'll be like, huh, I didn't even really know that I thought that. And you become more self-aware through that. So that was the second thing. And the third thing is I think that what you hit on was so important in terms of this kind of contrast between starting on a run and this sucks and then stopping altogether versus like going another half mile and you're like, oh, this isn't that bad. Because I think to me, I think that so many people can sometimes get this contrast wrong in both directions because I think some people might start and they're like, oh, I'm not feeling it. Let me let me just be easy on myself and let's just stop altogether. And so that's where I feel like a lot of people need to be a little bit more honest with themselves as to why is this actually not working for me right now? Like, is it an injury or has it just been like a long day? Like, what is it? And then you need to make a little bit more informed decision at that point. Yeah. So something that I want to kind of just explain when I talk about like expectations or whatever for myself For me, something that I have written on my mirror in my bathroom is comparison is the death of my joy. And the reason I say that is because, so for any runners or cyclists out there, there is a program called Strava. If you're not a runner or a cyclist, you might not know about it, but it's basically a pat me on my back because I ran or I cycled. And some people can use it very successfully. I am not that person. So for me, when I went out and ran five miles, I got on and I uploaded it to Strava and I was so excited and I was like, woo, look at you go. And in the next scroll, so-and-so had ran seven. Mm. And that five that I had run was no longer worth anything. That is my comparison and it immediately killed my joy. And so to me, what I did is take control of that. I removed myself from every single comparing social media site. I went through my Instagram feed and removed every single runner that made me feel less than, and it's not their fault. I'm not sitting here on the other side of this computer, Nick, saying to you that, oh, she ran a six minute mile. She's the worst. No, I'm telling you that for me, it's unsafe. And the only person that I can control is myself. And with that being said, I can control what I see. I can control what I say, and I can control what I do. So for me, Because I can't tell you how many times, Nick, I have been out running and I've looked down at my watch and I've known that it's going to update to Strava. And so if I have a nine minute mile in there, oh, holy smokes, what will they think? Yeah. At the end of the day, if they think any less of me, then great. They didn't belong here anyway. So Mm -hmm. for me, that was something that was really important. And that was removing some of the unhealthier Instagram accounts that I was following, anything that used the word diet or caloric deficit, those were really important to remove for me. Things, Instagram posts or pages that were saying like, shut up and do it. That's that's not the quickest way to get to me. That's the yeah. way to get unfollowed. So that was number one for me. And then to touch on the last thing that you said, like I do think that we in fitness, Nick, are are dancing a fine line right now because there's body positive and then there is this sense of like girl eat that cake if you want to eat it all the time nobody cares like it's dangerous anything in excess is dangerous Mm. so for me and my life and the way I have a 13 year old daughter who is watching me every stinking day I am showing her moderation Guess what? If I want to eat out lunch that day and eat out dinner, sure. Maybe one of those, I'm going to make a healthier option. Maybe instead of getting a burger and fries at dinner, I'm going to get a burger and a side salad. You know what I mean? Like there's ways to be smart about it. It's not all 
do whatever you want all the time, forget it. That becomes a little bit dangerous. So I don't know where the balance is for the world. I know where the balance is for myself. And so I can't get caught up in controlling like this drastic side here and this drastic side here. All I can do is live my honesty. And as a woman of 42 who is who has struggled with an eating disorder before, any sort of withholding calories is dangerous for me. I'm not an overeater. It's not the way my life works, but I have clients who are. So if I looked at them, Nick, and said, you want cake for lunch? Have cake for lunch. You want fries for dinner? Have fries. That's not responsible of me. Number one, they're not going to feel great. And if they're not going to feel great, they're going to continue to make poor decisions. Yeah. But number two, at the end of the day, it's about fueling our bodies for health and wellness, making sure that the stuff we're putting in our body helps us feel good, but also not limiting the experience and not making food and exercise something that's a punishment. Yeah. No, I, I loved so much of that in there. And I really liked when you kind of hit the nail on the head there at the end, when you were like, anything in excess is going to be probably detrimental and you have to find that balance. And, and when I was kind of relating it back to the, to the way that I asked the question, like if you're going on a run and right at the beginning, you realize like, oh, I'm tired, kind of my body's a little bit hurting. And then you have this kind of perspective and honesty with yourself. Yeah, okay, it's because I ran the last four days all this time. So I don't want to go in excess. So maybe go start walking or or quit. But if you're having that same sort of perspective and it's because like, oh, it's because they've just like eaten bad and haven't exercised in a while, then you can have that other conversation with yourself. So I really liked the don't not anything in excess, just have that that moderation. And then I really liked how you saw that kind of you had that self-awareness where when you see these different things on social media and you find yourself comparing to take the responsibility within yourself to be like, okay, let's stop that. Let's unfollow and stuff like that. Because it ultimately is up to you to make sure that you're not taking in outside information in a way that is destructive for you. Because I think, like you said, comparison is the death of, of joy for so many people. Because I, I feel like comparison is always going to be out there. So it's not about it's not about avoiding it necessarily. It's about not letting it define success for yourself when you're the person who defines success for yourself. Well, and Nick, I think too, it's like we're missing a huge component of like what we were just talking about, and that is community. For me, when I added somebody to my run, I now all of a sudden was able to take a deep breath. We were stopping at red lights that I used to sprint through so my Strava wouldn't stop. So I think that people need to remember that you're not alone in this. And we can be part of a community of fitness in a healthy way. We really can. So for me, what really kind of was one of my light bulb moments was I have four or five really great girlfriends who are willing to call me out regardless of what I'm doing. If I'm acting like, you know, a jerk to them, they're going to say it, you know, we just hold each other really accountable and a good bit of them are not in fitness. So when they saw some of the unhealthy behaviors, they came to me and they're like, Hey, I see you. I see what you're doing. And I just want to check in. Are you okay? And so to me, Nick, one of the biggest things that I've learned through this is to be present for my community. Like we were not in this alone. We were not designed to get through COVID, fitness, marriages, life, schooling alone. We're not. So if you have a buddy who also works out, reach out to them and be like, hey, I'm not feeling it today, but are you interested in maybe going for a walk run with me today? So then you can get it all in and try it, but also be willing to listen to your body and say, okay, I've got to push this car up this hill. I can't do it on my own. What if I ask Nick to come and help me push up this car up this hill? We're going to get it done better and safer and more efficiently. So I think that that Nick is something that I am constantly pressing. And that is the community of fitness. Like, just being in these trenches together, whatever it is. 
Yeah, no doubt. Obviously love the community aspect, which is why I like group fitness so much. Um, but to kind of shift gears a little bit, you know, you, we talked about how you're a Zumba instructor. You mentioned how you are vulnerable to the nth degree. And so I kind of just want to ask, like, how are you able to be like comfortable and confident getting in front of people and opening up your life to other people and like pressing post on some of those posts? Because I know I've heard it from a lot of people that, uh, you know, I had it typed out and then I deleted it and, and all this sort of thing. And probably a lot of you guys out there listening have had this sort of experience or you were scared to at least press send or publish or whatever it is. So again, kind of the question is how do you summon, I guess, the courage to be confident and comfortable with being open and vulnerable? So I think for me is that where I come from is I crave connection with people crave it. If I quarantine about took me down because I'm not, if anybody knows me, I'm not a toucher. I don't want you to hug me hands off. I'm heavily tattooed because I don't want you to hug me. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, tattoo yourself. It's great. Nobody will touch you. And then all of them are like, touch your arms. Anywho. um, So for me, I know that when I'm in a space of vulnerability, when I'm in a space of like, okay, this is going to take me down. There's somebody else out there feeling the exact same way. Mm. And their Nick has never been a time that I have posted something that somebody hasn't come back to me and been like, Hey, thank you. Thank you for that. So I've had a lot of things happen in my life and I gave up for a baby for adoption when I was very young. That is talk about shame, carrying shame for the rest of your life. I have lost a parent to drugs. I have had an, I have a lot of things, but guess what? I've also had a lot of really good things happen to me. So for me, the balance is sharing my vulnerability, sharing my eating disorder, sharing these things, but not in a way that's going to make you feel like, oh, woe is me, poor me. It's in a way of saying, hey, you sitting behind your computer, reading that, I see you. I see you because to me, as people, our whole goal is just to be seen and be heard. That's it. That's it. At the end of the day. I mean, when I die, Nick, I really hope that people say, man, she was so smart. She was so funny. She was so kind. She was all these things. I don't really give a crap if they say she wore a size four in jeans (laughs) because I want to be seen in a space of she really gave us who she was and I'm not perfect. I'm learning every single day. I've had failed marriages. I have had failed relationships. I have been laid off from jobs. I have been a single mom laid off of a job with two kids and had no idea what was going to do. And what pulled me up from that space was my honesty. That's Mm -hmm. all I ever have. So for me, it's not even a thought But I will say for those people who are listening, if your finger is shaking as you're about to hit that post button, it's so important. It is so important because let me tell you, when I was posting all these pictures of myself running 12, 20, 25 miles, it wasn't hard. I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. But the second I write about what it feels like to be a woman in her thirties that has given up a baby for adoption and that baby comes back and now lives two miles from you. And now you're having to focus on this relationship while you have other children. There's somebody out there who feels that. Maybe it's not in that same space. Maybe it's not in that same avenue. It's just, it's out there and people need it. And it's the more... I have noticed Instagram's popularity as far as look at how perfect my life is. The more people need to see me say, guess what? I failed again today. Guess what? I screamed at my kids because I was exhausted. Guess what? We're all going to make it through this day together. So to me, that is just really what it is. It's just, it's my, it's how I live my life from the second my feet hit the ground, Nick, until the second I go to sleep, this is my life. And it scares people and it's terrifying to some people. And I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there that wish I would just be quiet and Zumba. 
but I've made a career off of being honest. Yeah. Well, and I, I really like how you kind of started that whole thing with you do it for, I mean, it's like all of us want connection and there's going to be always somebody who's behind the computer, behind the phone, who feels like they're a little bit more connected to you because of the issue that you're going through or whatever it is that you post. So coming down kind of to the last few things, this this next one is something I want to ask because I know it's so such an important part of who you become and, and who you are. And it's it's about motherhood. So basically, what do you think is just the biggest thing that you've learned about yourself through, I guess, like, obviously, you've been a mom for a long time, but maybe over the last few years, what have you learned about yourself through being a mother? So I am a single mom of two kids. And so for me, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is to trust myself. Because what I have noticed about my kids, now granted, my kids are a little bit older. So I have a 17 and a four, uh, she'll be 14 next week, year old. Again, like I started this podcast with, I'm having to lean into parenting. Mm. What I did this week is not what fit last week. And I have to remember that my children, yes, they're parts of me. Yes, they are great and they're wonderful. They're really their own people. And so the more that I can listen to them, the more that I can teach them, hey, your feelings matter. Hey, just because you're a boy doesn't mean you have to be hardcore all the time. Just because you're a girl doesn't mean you have to wear dresses all the time. Like I'm giving them their own space to be who they are. And really, honestly, the way that I'm doing that is by living genuinely. So for me, when I feel like I'm being disingenuous, they see it. They know it. If I'm not being my true self, they know it. Here's a great, for example, we've been quarantining together. It's been a lot, Nick. (laughs) Can only imagine. We're here. We're together a lot. Um, And so tempers flare and space gets tight and you know, we, our lives aren't the same. So what I've recognized the most is that they don't need to see me be perfect. They don't need to see me have my schedule down perfectly, execute that fitness program perfectly, write that programming, get that run done. What Isabella needs to see me do is show up. So the other week I lost it and I screamed my head off and I was so mad and I was so frustrated She went upstairs and I came back, gave her her space, gave myself my space. And I came back and I was like, listen, I just lost my best self and I'm really sorry. And I need you to understand that as a 14 year old girl, you're going to lose your best self. Sometimes you're not going to act the way that you maybe would like to. It's because we're human and I am sorry And I'm sorry that I did that. And I love you. And I need you to work with me and I'll work with you. And it has created this foundation of parenting to me that has been incredible. Like I, I I don't know any other way to parent. This is what I've done since they were little. Um, I've let them sort of like, it's not, I'm not going to say call the shots because somebody out there is going to be like, oh, you let them eat, you know, donuts for dinner. No, right. sometimes sure. But for the (laughs) most part, like, I've let them grow into who they are without the expectations of myself on them. Because I think a lot of times as parents, we get caught up in, well, that is not what I want her to do. That is not what I want her to do. And so what am I doing? I'm shoulding on her. She should be this. She should, he should be that. And it's not beneficial for anyone. If I don't want to do it for myself, why the heck am I going to do it for them? Yeah. I know I'm like talking about parenting is my most favorite thing. Cause I love them so much. They're my, they're my pride and joy. If I do nothing great, I, I put in some really incredible people out into the world. So for me, my biggest thing is meet them where they are that day. Yeah. Like for me on a Monday, I may Nick, I may not be my best self. I may get short, but guess what? Tomorrow, I have a better chance of trying again. And it's okay. And what I did on Monday does not define who I am on Tuesday. And my kids know that. So my kids are not afraid to mess up. And they are going to mess up. 
but I'm not going to love them any less and be like, man, that was a dumb decision. I bet you wish you wouldn't have done that. Well, let's figure out what we do now. Yeah, no, I, I love it. And, and honestly, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's you're not going to be the one to define success for them. You, you give them the space to define who they want to be and, and what success is for themselves. Um, and I think that's awesome. Like, Nick, every day, what you decide to find a success may be a little bit different. But guess what? You're in there. You're making that decision for you. So how dare me feel like, okay, you have to do this. You have to get this degree. You have to go here. I don't know. I, I make my living off of talking to people. Like, do you think that my mom was probably, my mom is a huge finance major. She just is numbers, numbers, numbers. I guarantee you my mom was looking at me like, holy crap. Yeah. Holy bananas. This is what you're going to do. And I'm happy I did it. And she's happy I did it. So it's like, figuring out how to meet them where they are in that moment. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's really, I think that's really key. So down to the last couple. And, um, I think that the way I talk about getting closer to the best version of yourself is for each person individually, we need to define what the best version of ourselves looks like, what's the best version of ourself is capable of. And then my goal for myself each and every day is to try to reverse engineer that person into reality. What can I do today to actually get closer to that person? And so I wanna want you to kind of take a second to kind of visualize the best version of yourself and ask yourself, is there a particular skill, piece of knowledge or experience that the best version of yourself has that you don't currently have? Mm, that is big. Um, something that I am learning as I get older is to be a better listener. I think that that has been, uh, when you are in the fitness industry, you know this as well as I do. We talk, 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 talk. You ask me one question, I can give you a thousand words to answer it. As I get farther along in my health and wellness coaching and in my you know career moving this way, I'm really learning what it looks like to be a present listener. Because for me, a lot of times in my early career, I felt like I had to sell myself as far as like, these are my certifications. This is what I know how to do. This is this. Now I want to let people, the way that I make them feel is going to, is going to sell myself. And the way that I do that is by listening with intent, listening, not waiting to speak, listening with zero judgment and really like, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times I'll go through my day and somebody's telling me a story and I'm like, holy gosh, what just happened? So yeah. to me, one thing that I'm practicing a good bit is putting my blinders on like horses, putting my blinders on and saying, this is Nick Carrier in front of me. What is he saying? Because what he is saying is so valuable to me. Why is what he's saying valuable to me? Because it's his time. And it's something that none of us know how much we have of. So if you're willing to give me this, it is my responsibility to respect that. So mm. as I get older, that is my goal, to remove some of this like Zumbatanya out and turn it into a little bit more of like, I'm here, I'm present with you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I love that. And I think that that's definitely something that I've always have struggled with, but I've been working on more and more is becoming a better listener because I'm somebody who's always on the go, always trying to do the next thing. Like, and so when someone's talking to me, I'm like, okay, where do I need to be in the next hour or something like that? But honestly, doing this podcast over the last couple of years has probably been my biggest training ground to stop that because I don't have any other option than to just be super focused on listening to what other people say. And really what helps me is to pick out what I feel like is what people are kind of the gist of what they're saying. Like I've done a couple of times here and then repeat back what they said and make the goal to repeat, to have the ability to repeat back what they said rather than necessarily bring my opinion. That is good. I love that. I'm going to take that from you because thank you for that. <laughs> I'm going to put that in my pocket because yeah. <laughs> to me, in our lives right now, we are always needed. 
with the addition of cell phones, with the addition of watches that give us our text messages, like some of the things that I did to become a better listener is I removed every notification from my phone. I removed every notification from my watch. And there are a few hours a day that I take my phone and I put it on my bedside table. So it's not even there for me because how can I be a listener to Isabella and Hunter if my phone isn't within eyeshot? We all know you've been in a conversation with somebody and you see their eyes darting this way. And you're like, it's it's truly the worst. It is, it, it is the absolute worst. And so something special that I do at my house is every Sunday night, we have dinner at my house at my giant dining room table where I'm sitting at right now. It's my special place. It is the most sacred place in my house. Phones are not allowed here. We eat every Sunday night with my two best friends. We've been doing this for close to a decade now. Wow. And we show up for each other. And there are times where I find myself not listening. There's times where I find myself, oh, I gotta be at the studio at 5.30 tomorrow morning. I wish this was over soon. And somebody draws me back in. And so that that is something that we put into practice in my home a decade ago. And I really hope that my kids kind of keep it going. And of course, like we talked about earlier, we lean in. If everybody has something to do Sunday, we do it on Wednesday. Like we're doing it tonight instead of Sunday. If it's somebody's birthday, we make a big deal of them. Because at the end of the day, Nick, all I have is this connection with you and this connection with people and if I have spent it staring at a tiny box, I'm being real mad. I'm being yeah. real, real stinking mad. So removing that, like I took all social media off my phone. There's no Instagram. There's no Facebook. If I need it, I have to get onto my computer. Yeah. And that has been huge for me. I love that. Because there's nothing, I mean, at 11 PM, I don't, I don't care what so-and-so is doing. What yeah. I need to be doing is listening to my body. Not. Right. So to me, it's being a listener is going to be huge and, and putting into practice what you said that that's really big for me because I do find myself going, what's the best way that I can respond to this conversation right now? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, awesome stuff. Well, before I ask the last question, Tanya, I just want to start off by acknowledging you for a couple of things. First off, because of the great role model that you were for me when uh, I first started with you about what, four years ago? Yeah, about four and a half years ago now, actually, January of 2016. So about four and a half years ago now for uh, just being a great friend and, and role model. And then more specifically from, from this interview, I don't know if you realized it, but obviously I talked a lot about defining success for yourself. And so often you talked about, or you started off by answering questions, for me, this is what I've done. For me... This is my experience. And I think that's a really important message for other people to realize like a lot of these things is what she did. This worked for her. So take it, take it under your own responsibility to figure out what works for you. Now, that doesn't mean you can't adopt some of the things that we've talked about, obviously, but I think I just really loved how you said, for me, this is what I've done and stuff like that. And I think that's just really important. Well, and I think too, I mean, I am 42 in the fitness industry. Nick, like I said earlier, there's always going to be somebody younger, thinner, more eager than me. It's just where I am. So I am having to figure out what this new version of success looks like. When I started in this career at 22, it it was different. It was, it was a hundred percent different, but also I was different. So for me now, I'm learning that every season of my life is changing. Right now, I'm coming back from an injury. What does it look like? Today, when I get off this podcast, you know, our friend who owns the local juiceria, Amy Lawrence, her and I meet every Wednesday and we walk for an hour and we talk and we giggle and we laugh. That is the definition of success for me today. I got two things in. I moved my body because I wanted to, and I connected with somebody in my community. So I I think it's never, if I just looked at you and I'd be like, man, Nick never sits down. I am so lazy. I didn't do 52 gyms in 52 weeks. I didn't do this. And there I am again, shooting on myself. Mm. 
your definition of success really works for you. My definition of success is really going to work for me. So it's like having listeners be able to say, ooh, I love that. I'm going to take that and hold on to it and see how it fits in my puzzle, not with my puzzle around that piece. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And I I really do love how you openly communicate about how others versions version of success is not what or your version of success isn't what others people other people's should necessarily be um, on your social media i think that's really important so all of you guys are going to want to go follow her i know so make sure you go to instagram at tanya fi t-a-n-i-a-f-y and then you can follow her on facebook as well uh, tanya mendoza yelton but last question tanya i think that again getting closer to the best version of yourself is both a constant journey and a unique journey. Again, the way that I get to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get to the best version of yourself. So for you personally, what are three things that you can currently do or currently work on to get closer to that best version of Tanya Yelton? The first thing I want to do is slow down. I have hustled my whole life. I was teaching four or five gyms a week, and it was great in that season of my life. Where I'm at now, I want to slow down and I want to not just let life happen around me. And I think that COVID was really the catalyst for that for me. I recognized when the world shut down and I had no option but to sit still, that there were things in my life that no longer were suiting me. And so I had to remove them. So for me, that is my number one, just maintaining once the world opens back up, because we know it's going to, once that happens, how can I keep the pace of still working, create a living, being fitness, doing all these things, being a parent, but actually take the time to slow down. So that's my first one. Number two is not treating exercise like a punishment. For me, that's very big right now. And I think the more that I do that and the more that I learn that, yes, exercise is supposed to be hard. Yes, exercise sometimes is supposed to be grueling and nobody wants to row 2,000 meters, but you do. And, And so there's a fine line of figuring out where something is challenging and where I'm doing it to punish my body. Mm. That is the second thing. And the third thing is to change the narrative in my head. Because for me, what happens is I am a anxiety-driven overthinker, which I'm sure a lot of people are. So for me, we live in Athens, Georgia, and there's this giant street called Millage, And all the sorority houses are there. And it's just the biggest street that everybody, well, my house just happens to be right next to it. So what has happened is as I've been injured, I've had to walk and not run. And while you might probably think, well, that's dumb. It's not a big deal. It's a big deal to me because I'm a runner. So changing the narrative in my head, being like, nobody cares if you're walking, Tanya. By the way, I know that you think that the world revolves around you right now, but it doesn't. It's okay to be something that it's just to me changing the narrative in my head saying, this is huge for me because I wrote it down on my bathroom mirror. That's a big thing that I do, by the way. When somebody says something that's big to me, I write it down on a piece of paper and I stick it on my bathroom mirror. If you saw my bathroom mirror, it's a lot. There's (sighs) notes everywhere. There's Sharpie. People know to write me notes because it's how I, I really love it. They're, you know, so I tape them all over my house. But to me, the number one thing that I want to remind myself is that you're okay. You're doing a great job. Regardless of if I exercised, if I ran hard, if I ran easy, if I didn't run, if I, I'm doing the best that I can today. And the best that I can today is enough because at the end of the day, this gal, I'm enough. I'm enough. Yeah. So if I can change the narrative in that head, if I get into that creepy, like, oh, you're not fast enough. You're not skinny enough. Nope. We're going to change that channel. That's not happening anymore. Let's, let's try a new station. So those are my three things. 
I love it. I love it. Well, three great things. And uh, it was a blast, Tanya. I appreciate you taking the time. That's all we got today. It was so much fun. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed this special episode with my good friend, Tanya. Y'all, this stuff is so important. Don't let someone else define success for you. That is for you to decide for you. Make sure you share this episode with a friend or family member who you think would get something from it and be inspired by it. You never know when an episode that you send someone might just be the turning point that they need to start making a change in their life. If you like the show, be sure to leave it a rating and review on iTunes and let me know what you thought. I also post a video episode every single week along with the show notes, and you can find that at nickcarrier.com slash podcast. Remember, excess of anything usually leads to something bad. Be honest with yourself to ensure that you're doing the right things in moderation so as to stay aligned with what you define as success. For now, it's time. It's time to take action. Define success for yourself, then go. Pivot as you need to, but not because someone else says that you should but because you think you should. That doesn't mean don't take any advice. It means take advice and then evaluate it. If it's something that aligns with your definition of success, then take it. If not, don't. If you can do this, I promise it'll help you get closer and closer to your best you.